This is Crown Countdown U Radio, Canada's home for college sports on the TSN Radio Network. to the Crown Gridiron Nation podcast. I almost said Crown Countdown U. That, that would have been be the first one in the, the Swear John. That, yeah. that would have been the first one. The what was the one that we one. did? Oh, the CIS rule a couple oh, yeah. of years oh, ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when the radio show was still going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Somebody could have made a mint off of that. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Crown Produce and brought to you by uh, Hubcast Media and also brought to you by CFL Reddit, who uh, takes care of all the tech stuff for us. And they're very nice and very kind to us. I've seen that uh, that Crown Similkameen Valley promo yeah. <laughs> enough times that I think I've got the script committed to memory at this point. Well, you know what? Uh, we used to have a cabin up on uh, Anarchist Mountain and used to drive through there on a regular basis. It's the most beautiful country in the world. That nobody knows about. That nobody knows about. And maybe it's good that nobody knows about it. But the other thing is football doesn't know it either. There's no football through that uh, southern no. interior Smilkameen area at all. Yeah. What and, would you say is like the, the capital of that, the biggest town in that region? Princeton? Uh, it's, well, Princeton's kind of on the other side. You got to drop down kind of mm-hmm. out of the mountain and, and, and uh, Princeton's kind of the gateway to it. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that a Soyuz Oliver, that area is really kind of the center of the okay. Similkameen. Like they're all kind of piddly little towns. Yeah. Uh, Caramius yeah, is 3,500. Um, Asoyas is fifty five hundred. It's one of those towns that blow up during the summer. Yeah. Fred Vale's um, in there, I think. Oliver is the Surrey of that area, by the way. You just ask any local around there, and then yeah, it's a it's a, it's a beautiful little area. But I wish there was um, uh, six man football there. You know what? Luke Fritz is a guy from that region. I believe he was from Oliver that went down and played just on the other side of the border. Like a Soyuz is Oroville like right in yeah, Oroville. It yeah. wasn't Tenasket, it was Oroville. And and that's how he found his way uh, into U.S. college and into the Canadian Football League mm-hmm. is by playing in a border town. Hmm. Uh, I think Doug Goldsby is the last guy around this region mm-hmm. to, to do that both sides of the border thing. Uh, he was in South Surrey, played community football with the South Surrey group, but played high school football at the very same time with Blaine. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's part, part of the Blaine Borderites. Yeah, that's right. Quite the nickname. Well, it was always something. I grew up in White Rock, B.C., mm-hmm. right? And uh, White Rock, for those of you who don't know, is part of Semiamu Bay. And, and the bay is literally cut in two between Canada and the United States. And we have great views. Including of one Rock. of my favorite geographic anomalies, 
by the way, which is Point Roberts. Oh, yeah. The, the little spit off the end of the greater <laughs> Vancouver area that is American territory. And my understanding is that it's because it's American territory because when they were creating the border in this region, they literally forgot it was there. Yeah, that's right. And the survey was off by 12 miles, too. Like, literally, because of the way the survey was done, that border should be 12 miles further south. Yeah. We should have Ferndale. And there's, <laughs> there's well, there's two others. Uh, there, there's, sorry, there's another uh, example of the same geographic mistake over in uh, Manitoba slash right. Minnesota That's right. where there's a little peninsula in the middle of a lake. I want to say it's Lake of the Woods mm -hmm. uh, that is Minnesota territory and only accessible through Manitoba territory. Well, you know what? Just give us the Alaskan panhandle and we'll all be square. Uh, but... taking it back to 1880. <laughs> 54-40 or die, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, like we used to, when I was a kid, look across at Blaine and you knew football was starting when those lights lit up mm -hmm. over the over the uh, uh, high school stadium there that seated maybe about a thousand. But for a kid in Canada who was playing football at a time, that, that was a big deal because we had ragtag community programs mm -hmm. where a, as we crept further into, into fall and then past daylight savings time, the standard time, as a football team, we didn't have a field to practice on. We had to uh, literally go into this part of this park where there was some overhead lighting so we could practice in the last five weeks of our season. So there was this tremendous envy looking across the water on a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday night to see these lights. Well, fortunately, it sounds like daylight savings time is uh, going the way of the dodo pretty quickly That's out great. here in BC. That's fantastic. 94% of people or something like that told the government that yeah. they were against daylight savings time. It's great for sports. It's yeah. great for practice time. It's, so. it's you know not every uh, uh, group that uh, well, it's great that has for field life, sports. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm glad it's light outside at 6 a.m. Said no one ever. <laughs> like, well, you're, you're a school teacher, though. There's the "what about the children" argument. Like, like when when we get into the uh, mid December. Early January. I mean, that's kids going to school in the dark. Psychology tells us that those kids are not prepared for the start as early as we do in the day, anyway. So mm -hmm. I, uh, I never was. No, I mean, yeah. we are. Our school is uh, unfortunately we start at eight a.m. sharp, and that first block. I mean, depending on the group you get, that first block can just be a complete throwaway. So, uh, so people are wondering why we aren't talking about football. Let's talk about football a little bit. Let's talk about college sports. Let's talk about names. Well, I tried to we segue because we I tried to segue when I dropped the border rights name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You did, and I didn't even pick up on it. And I'm supposed <laughs> to be a pro. Anyway, uh, we were talking before we went on set today about the best and the lamest names in college sports. And I owe my I owe my girlfriend Amanda the uh, the inspiration for that topic because she brought it up yesterday. We were watching, uh, flipping back and forth between uh, Chuba Hubbard and the uh, OK State Cowboys playing Texas Longhorns, and then uh, the Georgia Bulldogs playing the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And she was like, "Okay, so both of these are kind of a cool nickname and a kind of a lame nickname." Like, what's the worst nickname you can think of in college sports? And I was like, well, there's a lot of good ones. Mm -hmm. um, I, I The first one that comes to mind when we talk about nicknames is my absolute favorite and something that Acadia University really missed the boat on. But the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajun Cajuns. Cajuns. That is a <laughs> unbelievably good nickname. So good. It, it's hard to compete with that uh, stateside. I think we've got some 
great names in Canada. X-Men, Axemen is always one that I like when the two of them get together. But picture the Acadia Raging Acadians. <laughs> but, but there's that, there's that <laughs> extra syllable in there. It would throw me off. Technically, that's where Cajun comes from. Yo, not course, to get not to get too linguistic on everyone, yeah. but that's where the word Cajun comes from. Is it's a bastardization of Acadian. Uh, what are what are some of your other favorites? Uh, well, okay, let's, Coastal let's Carolina, start. the Chanticleers. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Thundering Herd, the yeah. Marshall Thundering Herd. That's yeah. another good one. Yeah. Um, what's another good one? I, I like the ones that have like a regional relevance too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the California Golden Bears has always been a good fitting one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to you go to New Mexico and you've got the Lobos. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there's lots of good ones out there. The Tulane Green Wave. Yeah, that's who a good play, one. Who wear blue? Well, yeah, they did last week. They're still, yeah, they're still a green primary. I think they're yeah. well, blue for water, right? Yeah, well, yeah. they're underwater there. Well, they certainly were once. Yeah, and they will be again. Yeah. Uh, I like the GGs, quite frankly, because no, seriously, I like the GGs. What because the hell it's is got, the GG? Because because it's a horse. Because it's the Governor General, because yeah. it's garnet and gray, it's got three meanings to it. Yeah, there you go. I, uh, I'm sure everyone who's ever been affiliated with Carlton would beg to differ on that one. Well, I like the Ravens, too. Yeah, Ravens is a good one. Ravens is, is fine. Um, but I'll tell you, one of the lamest, one of the lamest is what Queens did to that name. They uh-huh. should always be the Golden Gales. Yeah, the, I mean, the Gales little, on their own. Yeah, they deserve every bit of flack coming their way. Oh, and for believe changing me, that they name. got flack. In fact, I was they a little surprised it. that they didn't renege on that plan, yeah. uh, given the amount of flack that they got from certain uh, certain portions of the alumni base. But uh, it was always kind of interesting back in the day when it was the the GGs versus the GGs, <laughs> the Golden Gales <laughs> versus the GGs. But, that was quite the rivalry for a while too. But, but but the Golden Gales name goes back to when it was called the Tricolor. The, yep. the, that was their original name because they wore the gold, the red, and the blue. Yep. Right? And then that, that mutated into uh, into Golden Gales. So to take the color out of the name mm-hmm. is to be defiant against your history. Yeah, it is. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I just, I always like unique names, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the Golden Gales is, would have been a unique name. Gales is still fairly unique, although there's a St. I think it's St. Mary's in the States that's called the Gales. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the Axeman, the X-Men, the Dinos is another good one. I like we dinosaurs. Talk, we like talked dinosaur. about a bunch like the off the air. I don't know why they chopped it up. We dinosaurs. talked about a bunch off the air. We forgot to mention the McMaster Marauders. Yeah. That's a really good one. I've awesome always liked that one. And then, but then on the other, the other end... The Bishop's Gators <laughs> provides more confusion than anything. I know yeah. as a kid growing up, I was like, really? There are alligators in Quebec? <laughs> really? You're the same guy that said to me, you thought the University of Connecticut, UConn, when you were a yep. kid, was an actual team out of the UConn. Well, because they and Boston College were in the same conference. Yeah. You'd get a BC-UConn game every year. And I was like... <laughs> Like, why are the guys in the states talking about this? Like, what's going on here? Quebec has, has some of the greatest names and some of the lamest names. Uh huh. You know, Concordia Stingers, great name, yeah. right? Bishop's Gators, mm-hmm. great name. Rouge or Vere or naming your teams just flat after colors, bad names. Redmen and, and uh, Varsity Blues. Well, no, that's McGill football team now. Like, let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> really, let's not go down there. But but the Carabans, that's always been, like, would you name your team the Doctors? Uh, yeah, no. You know? No. The Medics? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand that one either. No, but, no. Uh, well, I mean, I do understand it. I know where it comes from. But it's not yeah. particularly... 
inspiring. I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, for me as an as an Anglophone, at least, like, because it's in a foreign language, it's interesting. It's, it's kind of cool, right? It's yeah. like it's like you know, you you pull apart the lyrics to that Despacito song that was mm-hmm. big a year ago, and you find out that the lyrics are boring as all hell yeah. when you translate it over. But it sounds super cool when a <laughs> when a Puerto Rican guy is saying it in Spanish, right? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, the caravan still is interesting for me, but then when you translate it over, you're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty lame. But What, what about schools with, with dual names? Like, you've got the Regina Rams and the Regina Cougars, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got the Rams sitting there as an which, additional which, organization. Yeah. Which but, confuses the U-Sports football site at times. Oh, oh frequently, actually. <laughs> and, then, and then further up the road, you've got the Bears gender Panthers. split between, yeah. the, between the Bears and the Panthers, the Golden Bears well, and the Well, and then Panthers. you have the McGill and the Martlets. Mar- Martlets. Do not call the men's team moving forward the Martlets. No. I, do not do that. Well, here, my vote for that one, I mean... I, it's well, let's kinda, go back to that. It's kind of okay. died down, okay. but well, my vote on that one has always been the Scarlet. Yeah. And I'll play out my case for that. Number one, McGill is the Harvard of Canada. What's Harvard's nickname? The Crimson. Crimson. Right? Yeah. Uh, they wear red. They already had red alluded to in their in their, uh, in their their name. Yeah. Uh, Stanford. And also... I was just going to say, Stanford, Stanford is the Cardinal. Thing. Not the Cardinals. The Cardinal. Yeah, as in yeah. Cardinal red. Yeah. So I think... And I mean, Rutgers is the Scarlet Knights and stuff like that. But I would say that allude to those two, keep the connection to the red thing, and come up with something that's going to be unique in this country. Because if you go with the Reds, it's not a football school, but UNB... New Brunswick is yeah, the Reds. Yeah, Varsity Reds. And, and and the Reds are the unofficial nickname of Toronto Football Club, so we don't want to go down that road either. Yeah. It, 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 there's been this this trend, though, as names have been changing, to go to things that are really not that unique and not that inspiring. Nope. Well, they can't offend anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, the... the the, not uh, by the way, not to say that the Redman thing wasn't warranted. I was a big opponent of the Redman name, and yeah. I'm, I'm glad that they they are moving away from it because it wasn't good. No, it wasn't good, and it, it's a significant uh, motion of reconciliation. I just wish that all those uh, individuals who were involved in that vote on campus would actually show up at a football game or a basketball game Agreed. or a hockey game and support their team because yeah. obviously, when you take a look at the numbers, it don't match up. Yeah. No, fair enough. And I mean, you saw some flimsy defenses saying, oh, it was never in reference to indigenous people, blah, 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 blah. But well, it weaved if its you way look back, back in. Well, yeah. if you look back at the history of that in the 60s and 70s, it was, it was very, very explicitly tied to indigenous oh, yeah. people. So, yeah. you know, whether it was originally it was conceived that way or not, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, no, I mean, they were the Redmen the same time the Queens was the tricolor. Yeah. We, we know what the origin of it is. Yeah. It just went on its merry way into. Yeah. Bad territory where people didn't really know what they were doing at the time. Yeah, and I mean, they were grossly uh, insensitive. I was, I was a fan of. Uh, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm as big of a history guy as you'll ever meet. But mm-hmm. you know, the, the, this trend throughout football of some of these, the old school color nicknames that that's just what they used to refer to mm-hmm. them as because it was easier to identify them in black and white pictures and in newspaper and paint mm-hmm. a picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the that, blues, and that's exactly the origin of it too for all of them. Yeah. The, the yeah. varsity blues of Toronto. I mean, if you picture the original Big Four, the red men, the tricolor, the varsity blues, and then the Purple ponies, I guess, but Mustangs. <laughs> the King's College purple ponies. Yeah, oof, oof, don't get me started. Um, but you know, even in the states, though, like we've got the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. You know the Cincinnati Reds. It's not just, that's not a football one, but nonetheless, like I, I just those are just like. Ugh. 
Now, now, were the Browns named after the color of the jerseys, or were they named after Paul Brown? Uh, they were named after Paul Brown, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, which is go. funny, because Paul Brown then also went on to start the Cincinnati Bengals franchise. So the Cincinnati Bengals play at Paul Brown Stadium, named after the same guy that the Cleveland where, Browns were named the after, and they don't like each other patina. very much whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, specific football conversation. I want to talk about medical red shirts and the choices that are... Uh, facing a couple of players, uh, Sage Dockstater, who hasn't taken a snap this year mm-hmm. at New Mexico State, Patrice Rene, who got two games in and then had a rather uh, nasty injury, uh, gone for the rest of the year. Uh, Deshaun Stevens. Deshaun right? Stevens is another one. Examining uh, their options in front of them, I would suggest that if there's a way for them to stay in school, stay in school, man. It's a it's a treasured time to be part of something at the college level, and uh, you know uh, the professional demands of life are going to come around quickly enough. If mm-hmm. you if you can stay in college for an extra year, yep. and, and and sample that sort of energy and that sort of atmosphere, like if I if I could go back, I wouldn't blink twice at that. Yep. If that opportunity was in front of me, is there is there any upside to Getting out and moving on towards professional. Um, if you're a guy that's going to end up in the CFL and not the NFL, there's little. I mean, in the NFL, if you feel like you have a legitimate chance in the NFL, then you know there's a lot of dollar signs attached to that, and and that can uh, potentially be a pretty big boost for you. But uh, when it's the CFL, where it's not not that the money's bad necessarily, mm-hmm. but where it's not something that you're like, okay, well, I got to get this extra mill in my pocket. You know, it, I, I don't think there's as much of a pull to come out, but I, I so I, I have a question for you that's that I've been thinking about when we were talking about these guys. Yeah. If they so especially the guys that started the season, uh, where it may be in question. I think if Sage Doctator, who hasn't taken a snap yet this year, if he applies for a medical red shirt, that's gonna be a pretty easy rubber stamp, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy like Patrice Renee, who played a couple games before the medical before the injury, say if he has his medical red shirt denied by the NCAA. Could he repat back to U Sports and apply for a medical exemption there? Because that would be a really, really interesting storyline if he decides to do that. Theoretically, he could. Yeah. Theoretically, he could because um, see, he's he wouldn't have played his fourth year. Yeah. So he's got his fourth and fifth left. So I would uh, think so. Like, However, yeah, I think like if if the NCAA considers his eligibility to be exhausted, though, like U Sports. I believe he, has to he, do he, as well, he, though, here's, right? here's the way that he could do it. He could graduate and come up here as a graduate student and have his two years left. Wow. That would be fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> to me, at least. Yeah. You know, and same with, same. With, I mean, he, him more so, but a guy like Deshaun Stevens as well. Like, you know, those guys would be absolutely monumental players in U sports that would really push the game forward, even though they're only there kind of for a brief stop. But that being said, we got a graduate student that uh, came up from Minnesota who showed very well in spring games and summer games and never really worked, uh, worked his way into the lineup with the golden Gophers, by the way, another great name, golden Gophers. Yeah. Um, uh, Jonathan Femi Cole, yep. uh, who is stuck behind Trey Humes, uh, at Western, and I thought, wow, this is going to be the perfect three-headed rushing attack at Western. And we haven't seen that much out of Femi Cole. 
Yeah, and I don't know what's been going on behind the scenes, but I do know like Trey Humes has been very good this season. Yeah. Uh, for a guy that uh, split time, it was often a three-headed rushing attack last year for mm -hmm. Western. And, and uh, previous years, too. And yeah. Trey Humes has become the guy for them. I mean, he... We, we talk about it on our show this week, but he uh, he produced, I think, 193 all-purpose yards out of a 357-yard offensive effort for the whole team on last Saturday. So uh, he's been a an absolute – he's been their guy, really. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Chris Merchant's been very good, but I would say more impactful on the whole for the Western offense has been Trey Humes, and, and as a result, Femi Cole's been kind of an afterthought. Do we have a team that's really established themselves as dominant on the Canadian side in youth sports yet? No. No. It's kind of wide open for the taking, isn't well, it? Well, if somebody at, can find, this way. Like, find we an inside lane. Going into that Laval-Montreal game, like we were talking about how uninspiring Montreal had been yeah. through their first couple of games, and then all of a sudden they beat Laval, and we're like, okay, what the heck is going on with Laval? Laval's offense was so bad that they changed quarterbacks this week, and you know, it took them about a quarter and a half to get going before they, they started rolling over McGill. But Tied at 17 at the half. McGill was scoring touchdowns. Well, well McGill was up 14-2 yeah. in that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so, like, it's – they've been uninspiring at times too. And, and I mean, it's hard to – we know that Laval is always going to peak towards the end of the season. They always have. But, like, watching that Montreal-Laval game – it was awful. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm offensive. Yeah, talk all you want about great defense. I'm offensively biased on the field. I'm offensively yeah, biased. Yeah, I always have yeah, been. Yeah. But I would say, especially in the Canadian game, you cannot argue with me that a that a two elite defenses is going to produce an exciting game. It's just the nature of the Canadian game. All that back and forth with the with the fewer downs, providing more change of possession, add in the safety thing, which slows down the game too, and you're just like. Oh my God, like carve my eyes out with a spoon here. It's just, anyway, so, um, and then out West, like, you know, Calgary hasn't really been tested. They've responded to every challenge they've had. Um, but I, I also don't think a lot of the quality of play in the Canada West no. as a whole right now. No. Um, and then outside, outside of two drives by the Alberta Golden Bears yeah. to win games and, and the push that the Bears gave, Calgary the played in, in that game yeah. to the Dinos. I think across the board, and it pains me to say this because I love Canada West football because it's usually wide open, exciting, uh, offensive, and well executed. It's been none of the above. It, yeah. it, 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 it's been painful to watch this year, and I can't put my finger on why. Outside of the changes at quarterback. Like, you, you, yeah. you would assume that... that there would be the next one stepping up, but you know maybe it's that that instability at quarterback right across the board that worth, is that worth is noting. Its way worth to, noting that uh, Mason Nias is hurt right now, yeah. but I would say the team that I'm the most kind of disappointed with thus far. Not that they've been bad, but they were getting so good towards the end of last year and really finished the year with a bang is, is Saskatchewan, and they had they didn't have any major staff changes. And to me, that's they had some been a, turnover on the D line, but they brought Nick Daly in. And, yeah, and he's been fun to watch. Yeah, you're talking personnel. Yeah. I was talking yeah, yeah. staff because yeah, yeah. my point where yeah. I was going to go is there's been a little bit of a brain drain. And no offense to 
to Pat Shane and Taylor Taylor Nil, who have stepped up to fill those voids. But losing Steph Potaska as an offensive coordinator and then losing Ryan Shane as an offensive coordinator, those are two guys that I think are regarded around U Sports as two of the bre- the best offensive minds in the country. Mm-hmm. Both those guys left the conference. Even if Steph had some challenges out here at UBC. Yeah, I, I, he I, certainly I, did. I, you know, it, it is a different... Because it's so hyper-regional in U Sports, there is a period of adjustment when you come from one conference to another. Yep, there is. Yeah. And uh, I found playing in both conferences, you could tell the difference in the in the style of play. But define it. Um, well, for starters, the opposition it, it was just different in terms of the opposition. You you at that point in time in the Canada West, you never had a week off. And Cal and sorry, Alberta was going through a, a stretch of not being overly successful in the final record, but they always slugged it out with you, particularly in the first half of the season, which was an unfortunate trend for them. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they always slugged it out with you. It was never easy going into Alberta. If you were off your game, they had the ability to take advantage of you. Uh, and But in the OUA at that point in time, there was, a, like, you'd have three really difficult games on the schedule. <laughs> you'd have two, you know, you, you need to take care of your yeah. business. They could upset you, but you, as long as you take care of your business, you should be good. And then you had two or three that you could just sleepwalk through, yeah. depending on how your schedule was. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I really like about the OUA this year, however, is that those games don't really exist. Yeah. You know, even, even York, which I think is showing to be, at least thus far, probably the worst team in the OUA right now, they just about jumped on, was it Guelph two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. They just about jumped mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. Or was it McMaster? I uh, can't remember. I think it was Guelph. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, any there there has not been any any complete pushovers in the OUA, and that's why like where my eyes are fixed this year primarily is the OUA. And uh, I would be remiss, by the way, if I didn't mention that it helps that the OUA provides its product for free. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm fortunate in that I have a free pass to watch Canada West TV because I'm a media guy. Maybe I should share the login with you. Yeah, so, so you can I mean, watch those things. That I mean, I mean that's a that's a whole ar- other argument for another time, yeah. isn't it? Well, probably, but unless it, you want to bring it up here, no, but, it's it, we look. We've talked about it at yeah, but we've beat, I don't we think the crap out of us. Yeah, I don't think you, that we need yeah. to re- rehash that again. But um, yeah, it, it's been uh, I don't know. Like, it, it's really been a bit of a drag of a season all around. Um, you know, and, and then like Acadia got sucked into it this week too. You know, they were really rolling and playing some exciting football, and then they got sucked into a 15 12 slog fest this past mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been really the, uh, the unfortunate trend is that too many of these big games are just regressing back into just a grind. It's, it's, as you uh, like to call it, an ugly rock fight. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, and it kind of reminds me of the, uh, unfinished type of games that we used to see uh, at this level in the in the 1990s mm-hmm. and and that's when resources weren't at their peak mm-hmm. uh, I think we've gone past peak resources for a number of these football programs mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's part of what you're seeing uh, in terms of uh, coaching staff, alumni money, they're starting support. to regress they're, they're, back they're, to the mean a little bit. Yeah, we 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 witnessed this in terms of the lack of interconference exhibition games, for mm-hmm. example. That's a that's a surefire sign. Like Laval couldn't even well, the, get a game. The lack of exhibition games. Period. Yeah. Four of the six Canada West teams didn't play an exhibition game. I'm sorry, like that's negligence. Yeah. Like come on. Yeah. 
And it just, I, I, I don't blame the coaching staffs because I'm sure the decision was made above their heads, but really? Like, and we, and again, this is another thing that we've, we've dug up over and over and over again, but like, if you're going to put a product on the field, invest in the freaking product. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. I don't know. Like, one of, one of my philosophies in life is, is whatever you do, do anything you can to make it as good as possible. And I just think that, I don't know, it, it appears that some of these athletic departments are just happy fielding a team. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I will never get that. And it's frustrating watching guys that, that preach excellence and want to achieve excellence get sucked into a system where it's just, well, we're doing our part. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, well, I think, I think there's no clearer example of that than the example that's, that, it is, uh, that exists at York. Uh, you know, the, the team that, that has a stadium that they can't use. Mm-hmm. In a, uh, well, and, I mean, if, that, and if what is it a fifty thousand student school? Yeah, and yeah. they they can't invest anything into their into their yeah. football program. Yeah, it, it's if there if there's a blueprint for for how to um, sidetrack your football program while you still have a football program, it probably exists at York because uh, the the coaching staff there, good coaching staff, they they've tried their utmost in terms of. Uh, in terms of recruiting, in terms of taking novel approaches to recruiting. They had the Calgary Five a couple of years ago, didn't retain all of them. Uh, Colton Hunchak now, very productive player uh, with, the, uh, with the Calgary Stampeders, mm-hmm. stepped in after all of those injuries. You know, they've tried, uh, but it, from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem that if you can't get into your main facility to play football games, to showcase your, your product, that the priority is there and in place. Yep. Maybe there's something that we don't see. I know that the university technically doesn't own that $40 million facility that was built on campus, so they can have a CPSL team playing out of there, but they can't have their own university teams playing out of there. Makes no sense to me. No, it makes no sense to me either, especially given I don't believe it's a natural surface, so I don't really know what the, what the hang-up is. Yeah. So from, from the people running the facility, that is. So uh, uh, on our way out of this, if you had an opportunity to start a team from scratch, we didn't ask this question at the very beginning of this. Okay. What nickname would you pick? Uh, well, Raging Cajuns is kind of geographically limiting. Yeah. I would go with the Thundering Herd. Yeah. I, I just think that's a really, really cool, powerful name. Even though out on the coast here, that's not necessarily a uh, an accurate geographic name either. Is there something but, that you could do with Cascadian? Uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, something like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, that's that's the well, best there's, I can think there's, of. The, there's actually the 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 uh, uh, University of Fraser Valley Cascades. Yeah. That's all right. That's good. That's yeah. geographic. Mountaineers would be a good one. Mountaineers would be good. The, the biggest missed opportunity, the biggest missed opportunity, I think, was when uh, SFU went back to the NCAA. Mm-hmm. They should have got rid of the name plan. <laughs> they, 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 they should have been the Highlanders or the Mountaineers. They, they could have been the Highlanders and stayed with the... With the Simon Fraser uh, 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 Scottish background thing, that there, there's a number of things they could have done, because I know years ago when I was the SID up there, um, the teams that arrived from the United States took particular exception to the word clan. Yep, 
<laughs> it was not good. And 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 we know the context. It's clan with the sea. It's family. It's it, it's all of those things. It ties in the Scottish heritage. We know this, mm -hmm. right? But if you're the lone Canadian team traveling through the United States and your name is Clan, people are going to make a double take on that name. Yeah, they are. Um, and that's part of the uh, side effect of playing in the United States is you need to kind of play by their rules a little yep. bit as well. And yep. I don't just mean on the football field. And so, yeah, it's uh, I know that controversies come up time and again. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm split on it because at one point, like, I, it's given that there's no factual basis for people's exception to the name other than their own ignorance. True. I have a, I have a hard time justifying kowtowing to that. But yeah. on, on the other hand, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I get it too. Like, you just, it's easier. I, I think it would be easier just to move on than, than it would be to battle it. But, but it's here. What do I know? But yeah. it's here. Yeah. Go plan. And, yeah. and that'll do it for another uh, edition of the, Gridiron Nation podcast brought to you by our friends at Crown Produce, uh, CFL Reddit, and Hubcast Studios. I'm Jim Mullen. He's Gord Randall. Uh, watch our show on Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern. We actually have a TV show. And one thing we didn't mention in this, Mike Hogan's not with us in this TV show, so we have to do the song and dance ourselves. No, I know he doesn't normally join us for the podcast, but uh, it'll just be the two of us, so... I'm sorry, or you're welcome, depending on how you feel about that. Uh, given by some of the reception, I already signed off, but I got to say this: we got a couple of salty comments from Saskatchewan this week about the show. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Not not enough U Sports. Uh, that the uh, that the show was. Uh, what you, they, what was you was dated in a throwback. You were that was one. You weren't yeah. eating a Beyond Meat burger, were you? <laughs> was that the problem? Because I hear they're pretty sensitive about that. I love Beyond Meat burgers. They're great. They're great. <laughs> I, I, they're I great for the planet. One. You I haven't had never one? Have one. No, no, oh no, no you got to have one. You're not living until you have one. Yeah, anyway, I'm too cheap. We got to get out of here. See ya.